All right, raise your hand real high. Raise your hand real high if you need a lesson. We want you to get a lesson. This is the intro to the book of Proverbs. We're kicking it off tonight. Over on this side, all the way in the back. All right, how many of y'all met somebody tonight you've never met before? All right, six. All right. All right, let's start the music. She's got four more to go. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. You know what's cool about a growing church is the fact that sometimes you see people every week you've never seen before. And, and a lot of people look at that as a negative, but I look at that as a great positive. If you, if you always see the same people, that means uh, uh, you're reaching nobody. If everybody knows everybody, you're not reaching anybody. Say that with me. If everybody knows everybody, you're not reaching Amen. Amen. So, with that being said, with that being said, I need your undivided attention. This way. With that being said, we all, as God's children and family members of Temple Baptist Church, need to make it a habit every week to find somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, and make them feel welcome. It might be their first time, and they're scared to death. How many of y'all remember the very first time you come into this building? How many of y'all was a little nervous? How many of y'all, y'all was really nervous? How many of y'all were looking for people to bring snakes out somewhere? You know, okay. You never know. You never know. Listen, I, I'm a pastor, and I've been in church my whole life, and I can go visit a church, and it's my first time, and I'm scared to death, and I'm nervous as can be. So when people come in, let's take the initiative. If a man wants a friend, he must show himself friendly so let's do that amen let's just make that a habit uh, every week we're just going to greet somebody introduce ourselves man we're glad to have you and uh thank them for coming all right how about this proverbs chapter number one we're going to kick off a series uh that's going to be a little bit longer than the book of ruth uh obviously because it's a lot more chapters but this is going to be really practical you're going to have to think uh, this is not something that's not going to be filled with hot points that uh, we're going to shout about every week, but it's going to help you stay sober. It's going to help you make decisions. It's going to help you uh, uh, know when to buy a house and when not to buy a house. It's going to help you know who to date and not to date. It's going to help you know what to do when trouble comes. Practical wisdom. How many of y'all know common sense ain't real common right now? And we are in desperate desperate need for the touch of God and the wisdom to to to, uh, this world's getting crazier and crazier and crazier but everything we need is right here it's in this book and we're going to cover it little by little bit by bit we're going to cover it now tonight we're going to basically do an introduction we're going to talk about the author you need to know who wrote it all about him it'll help you understand the book a lot better uh the theme of the book uh, what's it all about? Why are we even discussing this book? Uh, uh, different areas and aspects of this that's going to really, uh, it's going to be interesting. If you, if you like it, I promise you, uh, you need to go tell somebody else about it. And this is, this is the title of the series, Making a Life, Not Just a Living. Say it with me. Making a life, not just a living. I don't want to spend my life getting by I don't want to spend my life just making a living and when it was all said and done all I did was work and pay bills I want to spend my life in such a way that I enjoy my life I want to spend my life in such a way that I made a difference and I want to spend my life that when I stand before Christ he's happy with me let's make a life not just a living amen Proverbs chapter number one if you found your spot uh, we're going to we're going to start in verse number one The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and to the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Read this aloud with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for a group of people that are out tonight and they're hungry for your word. 
God, they're hungry to feed on the Word of God and, and bring uh, manna to their soul and, and strength to their bones. I pray, God, that spiritually you'll feed us tonight. I pray tonight as we cover this information, I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot of information to cover at one sitting, but God, I know you can make it go fast. You can, uh, you can put it in such a way that we leave and just are so thrilled about studying your word. God, I know that, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is what we need to sustain our living. It's not, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I pray that we'll understand how precious your word is. I pray that we'll understand how needful your word is tonight. God, give us, give us discernment. Give us understanding. Lord, please help me. I don't want to stand here by myself, Lord. I don't want to stand here alone. I want, to, I want to stand in your anointing. I want to stand in your grace. And I want to stand in your spirit and speak through me, Lord Jesus. Use my mouth as a trumpet. Use my mouth as a mouthpiece to speak your word to your people. And God, I'll praise you and I'll thank you for all that you've done. Lord, you sure are worthy and you're wonderful and you're merciful and you're kind and you're gracious and you've been so good to us and we are so thankful. And God, will praise you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight I want to I go, <clears throat> James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, wisdom is very important. Wisdom is what we need. We're going we're gonna to look at so many aspects of this one word. Uh, uh, we're going to see it regularly and often. Uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of smart people, but there are not a lot of wise people. Uh, we have education, which brings us knowledge, which is basically the acquisition of information. And, and we have a lot of people that know a lot of stuff. But wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is the right use and the right uh, 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 actions that are taken with the knowledge that you obtain. So uh, as we study this, let's just ask God to speak to us. Amen? First off, number one, I want to look at the theme of this book. Let's kind of look at the theme of this book, and then we will, we will cover some other things. First, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. What is the intent of the book? Why did he write this book? What, what is the purpose of this book being here so we can study and we can read it? What was Solomon trying to accomplish with the book? What is the intent of the book? One word answers the question, and one word, really, the whole theme of the book is about wisdom. Say that with me. It's about wisdom. In Proverbs, the words wise and wisdom are used at least 125 times because the aim of the book is to help us acquire and apply God's wisdom to the decisions and activities of daily life. Now, that's, I want you to get the importance and, and really the, the impact of what I just read. God, Solomon wants you to understand. He wants you to be able to get, to receive, and to apply it to your life. How many of y'all know when you buy medicine, it don't work unless you use it? Now, we can go to the doctor all we want. Uh, we, can, we can go to the, the pharmacist and get the prescription for our ailment and for our, our situation, but if we never take the medicine, if we never apply the, the ointment, if we never do it, it does us no good. So he wants you to learn through this book, through this teaching, uh, through these verses and chapters, he wants you to learn how to acquire the wisdom of God and apply it. And this is the cool part, to everyday life. To everyday life. You see, God understands the workings of life. God understands the working of living. And sometimes the only spiritual aspect or the only spiritual thing we ever think about is when we come to church. But you've got to understand, God is the God of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and not just Sunday. And if we would learn to follow the Lord, if we would learn his wisdom to know when to say no, when to say yes, uh, when to think about something, or when to react and respond quickly, it would completely change our lives. How many of y'all have made mistakes in your life and wish you used a little more wisdom when you've done it? The whole point, the whole point of this book is about acquiring and applying God's wisdom to the decisions and activities of daily life everyday life, everyday decisions. The book of Proverbs belongs uh, to what scholars call the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, which includes Job and Ecclesiastes. Now, if you'll go back and look at Job and Ecclesiastes, everybody knows about Job. 
uh, the, one of the wisest, or excuse me, one of the most holy men and righteous men uh, uh, the, in Scripture. Uh, in, in, in the Bible, we see as we read the book of Job, he went through a testing. He went through a time uh, of, of difficulty. He had, he had lost all his children, lost all his finances. He was not only one of the most righteous or holy, he was also one of the richest, lost everything. Lost his finances, his fitness, his family. Even his own wife said, just curse God and die. And, and, and we see the whole book of Job is about a man who went through struggles in life. About a man who went through the most difficult tragedies you could ever imagine. And how God brought him out on the other side. And not only uh, the book of Job, but Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a book of a backslidden preacher, if you will. It is, it is Solomon in his later days. In the early days of Solomon's reign, in the early days of his rule, uh, he was a man of God and he had a heart for God and he had a supernatural wisdom from God. But there was a time in his older age when he was seduced by some of his many wives to go to foreign gods and false gods and he strayed away from God. And Ecclesiastes is a journey that he took, an experiment if you will. He was going to find satisfaction and fulfillment under the sun. And you find the, the phrase under the sun uh, all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And basically, in, in our terminology, what he was doing, I'm going to find joy in wine, women, and song. I'm going to find joy in material things. I'm going to find joy and happiness and fulfillment in what this world has to offer. And by the way, he did it. He had it. If he could buy it, he bought it. If he could do it, he done it. Amen? A thousand women. 700 wives, 300 concubines, and, and, and houses galore. Everything that this world, God allowed one man to experience everything this world had to offer. And he said one word, vanity. It's all empty. And so here we have, here we have the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job tied together and called wisdom literature. Why? The writers of these books wrestled with some of the most difficult questions of life as they sought to understand life's problems from God's point of view. And boy, if we could ever start seeing our problems from God's point of view, it would change everything. We see the intent of the book. Then B, write this down. I want you to see the importance of the book. The importance of the book. God wants his children today to walk circumspectly. What does that mean? Carefully carefully we're to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves are y'all with me he wants us to be wise he doesn't want us to be foolish not as fools but as wise Ephesians 5 15 understanding the book of Proverbs can help us do that it isn't simply uh, 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 it isn't enough simply to be educated and have knowledge as important as education is we also need wisdom remember what I said which is the ability to use knowledge Basically saying this, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Say that with me. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Wisdom isn't something theoretical. It's something very practical that affects every area of life. It gives order and purpose to life. It gives discernment in making decisions. It provides a sense of fulfillment in the life to the glory of God. Now watch this. This is one. I underlined it in my notes, and I think I underlined it in yours. I can't remember. But... Uh, Watch this sentence. This is so good. Wisdom keeps us in harmony with the principles and purposes that the Lord has built into his world so that as we obey God, everything works for us and not against us. Do you get what I just said? God is the creator of everything. He is the creator of life. He is the creator of this universe. He is the creator of all the order. God is not, hey, listen, he is a God of order. He is not the God of confusion. He is a God of order. He put it all, made it all, built it all, put it all into place and put it all running. And guess what? He knows what it's going to take to get the optimum performance out of life. And when we fall into line with God's principles, God's plans, God's purposes, we are in harmony. We are in harmony. Have you ever heard a car that was out of time? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever heard a car going down the road that had one tire going flat? That's a rough ride, brother. And you know what we're doing? 
We're trying to live our life in our own understanding. We're trying to live our life with our thinking. The Bible says in the same book, Proverbs chapter 3, lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. And what God is saying, I know you think it might be normal to go this direction. I know it might seem like the right thing to do is to do this, but it is out of harmony with what God has laid out. He ought to know he made it. What do they do when when the space shuttle messes up or when some of these things, they go back and they call the designer of the product. Because whatever's malfunctioning, the designer will know what to do. Because the designer, may, are y'all with me tonight? Amen. And what happens is when our, our life gets into chaos, when our marriages get into chaos, when things that are going on in our life and we're ready to pull our hair out because it is not in order, it is not in harmony, I, I guarantee you, somewhere along the line, we've stepped out of the plan and purpose and the, and, and the way God has said to do something, and that's why life is going the way it is. Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect because troubles are a part of life. But watch, but watch, this is the key. This doesn't mean we don't experience trials and difficulties because trials and difficulties are a normal part of life. But it means that we have the ability to deal with these adversities successfully so that we grow spiritually and the Lord is glorified. Being right with God and having God's wisdom doesn't mean that we're not going to have issues. It just going to mean we know how to deal with them issues. You know, perfect marriages... Sound like an oxymoron, don't it? You know, like. But uh, jumbo shrimp. You know, that just goes. To, I don't. Uh, these these marriages that we think are so great, and 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 so well, they don't never have conflict. No. Every marriage has conflict. But the ones that are really clicking are the ones that have learned conflict resolution. You see, every, every marriage has issues because you've got two people in them. Now, if every marriage had one person in it, it'd be great. But they don't work that way, amen? And anytime you have two people in the same deal, you're going to have some kind of conflict sooner or later. But what happens is we have wisdom. We know how to deal with this problem. When this situation arises, we don't blow up and, and, and get crazy. We've learned to deal with this same principle. When we learn the principles of life that God has, it's not that we're not going to have trouble anymore, but we're going to be able to deal with them. And when you learn to deal with trouble and trials in your life, it brings great peace. For instance, my daughter, uh, I, 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 left, I went to leave the house this morning, and my truck was not there. It was gone. And my daughter's car was out there. And... Uh, and uh, She's got a little, a key, she's got a key, uh, when you, you stick the key in the ignition, uh, uh, it locks, it won't, it won't work right. And, uh, and I assume, is that the reason you left that car, or was it, she said it was for a tire that sounded, but I think it was because the, the, the E was here and the needle was here. <laughs> you see, I've been studying Proverbs. And I'm wise enough to know I didn't hear nothing wrong with that tire coming down the road. But anyhow, I had a story going. I just wanted to get that in there. Uh, She calls me the other day from, I think, Dodge City or somewhere over there, and she's freaking out, man. I mean, she can't get this thing, and, and, and the key won't work. And I literally thought she was tearing the steering wheel column out of the car. Because I told her, just shake the wheel a little bit, and it'll, it'll free itself. And it sounded like Armageddon in the cab of that car <laughs> from the phone. Having issues. This morning, I got in there, and I put the key in. It locked. So I just kept jiggling a little bit, a little bit. And then I realized that if you put it just into a certain spot, it'll turn right over. But if you get past it, it'll lock up. I stayed cool, calm, and collected. And it works 
every time. So right after church, I'm going to teach her some wisdom. Now, do y'all see the principle? You're going you're gonna to be able to face things. You're going to be able to face difficulty. And by the way, you owe me 20 bucks. Amen. You're going to be able to face problems and situations in your life that the same person next to you is going through the same thing, and they're going to need a nerve pill, and you're going to keep right on trucking. Because God's wisdom is going to be a blessing. Say amen. Amen. Number two, number two, number two. We see its approach, not only its theme, but its approach. Let's get into detail about uh, the book of Proverbs and, and what it deals with and, and uh, specific aspects of it. So write this down. A, write this. Don't you see some specific aspects of this book that we're going to cover? We're seeking to learn from Proverbs the divine principles that can make us skillful not in making a living, but in making a... I want you all to underline that sentence in your notes. Underline that sentence. We're going to learn some principles that are going to make us skillful. It's going to give us some skill. Not in making a living, but in making a life. The pages of history are filled with the names of brilliant and gifted people who were smart enough to become rich and famous, but not wise enough to, become, or to make a successful and satisfying life. Before his death, one of the world's richest men said that he would have given all his wealth to make one of his six marriages succeed. Every, every dime. One of the richest men in the world. He said, I'd have gave it all up if I could have just had one successful marriage. You see, it's one thing to make a living, but quite something else to make a life. You know, when God says uh, content, godliness with contentment is great gain, that's saying a lot. You're a very rich person when you don't want much. Do you hear what I said? I didn't say you're a very rich person when you have a lot. I said you're a very rich person when you don't want much. Ted Turner was bummed out. Ted Turner will never spend the money he's got. But he was bummed out because of the people that had more than he did. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what you make. You can make everything this world has to offer, but if you don't learn to make a life, none of that's going to matter. You're going to be dissatisfied. You're going to be unfulfilled. And I, I found out this. Usually when I'm unfulfilled, I'll take that frustration out on those closest to me. So we want to use the principles of this book to give a skill in making a life. B, I want you to see the structural aspects of this book. The specific aspects, the structural aspects. The Hebrew word marshal is translated proverb, parable, and even allegory. But its basic meaning is a comparison. Say that with me. It means a comparison. Many of Solomon's proverbs are comparisons. Comparing right and wrong, comparing light and dark, comparing good and bad, comparing the, the difference in comparison of, of wisdom and folly. Uh, some of his Proverbs present these comparisons by using the word better. And we're going to see that off and on. All throughout the book as we go through this, you're going to see a comparison. And, and I, I like doing this. I like doing this. When people come to see me for counsel and advice, it's, it's funny uh, because they'll sit in my office and they'll sit down and I say, well, what can I do for you? Is there anything I can help you with? And they'll start telling me stuff and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I'll say, okay, well, this is what I think. And, and they say, well, this is what I'm doing. And, 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 and obviously there's people that's been in my office before because uh, that's what I say. How's it working for you? You know, it, you see, and there's a comparison. He compares folly with wisdom. He compares what happens when you make right decisions and what happens when you make wrong decisions. That's why this is such a great book. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand this. He uses parables. He uses small uh, sentences in such a way. Because, see, you've got to understand, in that day, in that day, people couldn't afford books. I mean, this was not a bestseller. 
He didn't go put it on the market. You couldn't get this on, on Amazon. I mean, you, you, this, this was something uh, that he had to write in such a way that the poorest of poor could learn it and memorize it. And, and, and all the, the uh, uh, hey, how many, how many have you memorized? You know, uh, 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 trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Easy, easy for the common person to memorize and, and take that. That's why he wrote it in the style and the literary fashion that he did, so everybody could. Now, see the spiritual aspect, the spiritual aspect of this book. The book of Proverbs is a part of Scripture. Therefore, it's inspired by the Spirit of God. Say amen right there. Proverbs contains much more than clever sayings based on man's investigation and interpretation of human experience. Because God inspired this book, it is part of divine revelation and relates the concerns of human life to God and the eternal. So this is not just a good advice column. Are y'all with me? This is anointed. This has got the touch of God on it. This is the spiritual. This is the very mind of God. This is the word of God on paper. Are y'all with me? So we need to look at it that way and accept it as that and receive it as the word of God. All right? Now we're going to get into some cool stuff. All right? Number three. Let's talk about it, the author of the book. Now, I don't know if you like history, but I, I love history. I, lo- I like digging into history and, and stuff like that. Uh, and I like finding stuff out about people. Are y'all with me? I like the biography channel on TV. You know, I'm just nosy, man. I want to know what's up, you know. And, 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 and man, when you start digging into the life of, of King Solomon, it's a very intriguing life that he lived. I'm telling you, it's just unbelievable. So let's look at first a few things. Uh, and now you're going to start participating by turning uh, your Bible to certain chapters, all right? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have an involved Bible study tonight, all right? Because I didn't have enough room to put all the verses I wanted to read on your notes, uh, so I just put turn to. Did y'all notice that down there? <laughs> so we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, turn to them, all right? But first, write this down. We're going to talk about the author a little bit, Solomon. According to, according to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, and several other verses through the book of Proverbs, we know the author is uh, 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 primarily... Solomon, King Solomon. It says in verse 1, chapter 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, who was he? Who was he? Write this down. Don't you see his ancestry? His ancestry. In 2 Samuel, chapter 12, verse 24, we find the Bible says, And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. His name means loved of the Lord. Now, so how, do we, how did we come up with Solomon? Most of y'all know the story. Most of y'all know the story of David and Bathsheba. David uh, came back from battle when he should have stayed at battle. He was on the rooftop. He sees a woman bathing, and he lusts after her, and he takes her, and she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite, and he takes her and co- commits adultery with her. And uh, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. She gets pregnant. Uh, David says, oh, mercy, we got to hide this. So he brings Uriah back. God doesn't let that take place. Uh, and, and he has Uriah killed. So first he's an adulterer. Now he's a murderer. Uh, uh, and, 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 and throughout the whole situation... Uh, they have that baby, the baby is born, and because of the judgment of God on the situation, that baby dies. And uh, after the baby has died, uh, uh, the baby that was conceived in adultery, uh, she is now David's a wife, and, uh, and, and he goes in to comfort her. Uh, she conceives and has another child, and here we have Solomon. And I said all that to say this is because uh, I am so glad, I am so glad, that God is a second-chance God. And as I read this story, as heinous as the crime is, David got right with God, and David made things right with God, and he he had a a heart for God, and and threw out the forgiveness of God. Even, Even God said that David was a man after God's own heart who did all the things that God would have him to do. And through that forgiveness, we see Solomon arrives. Solomon is born, and Solomon is loved by God. Solomon is loved of the Lord. And there is the grace of God in this story like no other story, I'm telling you. As bad as it was, we 
see the grace and the mercy of God. Say amen. And here Solomon raises up, Solomon grows up, and in the next verse that I printed off for you, in 1 Kings 1.30, Even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, uh, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this today. Adonijah, uh, uh, Solomon's other brother, uh, thought he was going to try to get the kingdom and the throne, and, uh, and, and God thwarts that and makes sure that doesn't happen. Solomon comes forward. Now he is reigning. Now he is reigning. He is the king. He is the third king of Israel. We had Saul, we had David, and now we have Solomon. Say it with me. We had Solomon. So he's the third king of Israel. He's probably the richest king of Israel, probably the wisest king of Israel, but most people will say that David was the greatest king of Israel. People would argue that, but it doesn't say that Jesus was the son of Solomon. It says Jesus was the son of David. And he shall sit on the throne of his father, David. Amen? But, irregardless, we have David, who was a man of battle, a, a man who was a, a king of, and a warrior of blood. Uh, he was a fighter, but we see Solomon, he reigns in, in basic peace, uh, uh, times of peace and riches and wealth. Incredible, incredible, all right? Now, we see his ancestry, but then B, I want you to see his anointing. I want you to see this anointing. Turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3. You don't want to turn. Fellas, do y'all have that on the board? Okay, all right, we'll have it up here on the board for you. 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to read in verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 5, right after, right after Solomon comes to the throne, right after Solomon comes to the throne, God meets him in a dream. God meets him in a dream. And this is, matter of fact, this is right after he sacrificed a ton to God. This is right after, and, 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 and just a plug for all y'all that's really been sacrificing and giving, let me tell you something, you'll never outgive God. Because after Solomon gave this great sacrifice to him, I'm talking about a huge offering and sacrifice, God said, what do you want? Blank check. What do you want? Now think about that. What if God sat down at your kitchen table and said, how about it? What do you want? What would you say? Don't say it out loud. But think about it. What, what would it have been like? All right, let's read it. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give thee. Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Oh, and now, O oh Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this so great a people? So what was he asking for? Give me some wisdom. Give me some wisdom. Give me the ability to do my job. Give me the ability to fulfill my calling. How many of y'all sometimes you feel kind of overwhelmed with what it is that God's called you to do? I do all the time. I do all the time. I sit in my office today. People going by and to and fro like bumblebees getting ready for Easter. And I think about it and I just, I start getting that panic attack feeling and then God reminds me let them do their job you do what I'm calling you to do you lead you feed you break the bread they've got this and they're, they're doing their job and happy as can be doing it and it's happening and it's coming together and sometimes I just sit and say God help me 
help me. And let me say this. If you haven't come to that point in your Christian life yet, you're not doing enough. And I'm not saying this to get on to nobody, but if you can do what you're doing, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because when David went down in that valley, he couldn't do it. When Gideon faced the army that he faced, he couldn't do it. When the nation of Israel came against Jericho, they couldn't do it. But God calls us to do what only he can do. And if you never get to that point where you say, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your help. Then you need to step it up. and Say, God, I'm not doing enough. What do I need to be doing? Say, why should I do that? Because when it's all said and done and he does it and he does it through you, you'll feel, you'll feel something you've never felt before, and it's incredible. It's incredible. He said, give me wisdom. Help me. I've got this responsibility. Help me. Verse 10. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, Neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding, discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days, and if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. He had a special touch from God. We're not looking at, you know, how many of y'all have ever seen uh, pictures maybe on flannel graphs or maybe on video of Samson? And they got this big, this big Arnold Schwarzenegger looking dude. Got muscles just popping out everywhere. Got lumps all over it. That's, that's, really, not, that's really not a scriptural depiction of Samson. Because it wasn't muscles that got it done. It's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It was when the Spirit of God came upon him that he had the great, incredible, supernatural strength he had. It wasn't muscles popping out everywhere. Y'all with me? And you see, we're not looking, we're not looking at somebody that had, had a great IQ, humanly speaking. It was a special touch and anointing from God. God made him smarter and wiser and had more wisdom and knowledge than anybody before or after. Does that not make these principles even more important to learn? That the wisest man ever to live, before or after, says, there's some things I think you need to know. What about, what about you ever heard that, you know, when, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When Warren Buffett speaks, oh, we better know, he's, he knows money better than anyone. And people go, what about the smartest man ever to live? You're reading his experience, not just his experience and his wisdom and his knowledge that God supernaturally gave him, but a wisdom with the touch and anointing of the Spirit of God on it. Amen. We see not only his ancestry, but we see his anointing. Then I want you to see his accomplishments. If you'll look over one page to chapter number 4. We're going to read a little bit about Solomon. Chapter 4, 1 Kings chapter 4. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river into the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. And they brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. He didn't have to fight any battles. He lived in peace. He lived in harmony. Listen, God, God made sure because his request for wisdom, he said, all right, I'm going to let you live a great life. And Solomon's provision for one day uh, was 30 measures of fine flour, three score measures of meal, 10 fat oxen for, 10 fat oxen for how, how long? One day. Are y'all with me? This is his staff meeting. This is the people that served under him, all right? His, his palace people, if you will. 
20 oxen out of the pastures and 100 sheep beside hearts and roebucks and fallow deer and fatted fowl. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river from Tisba even to Asa over all the kings on this side of the river. And he had peace on all sides round about him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine, under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and those officers provided victuals for King Solomon for all that came under King Solomon's table, every man in his mouth. Say it with me. Are y'all with me? Barley also and straw for the horses and dromedaries brought they into the place where the officers were, every man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is of this on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezrathite and Heman the Chekol and Darda the sons of Maho. And his fame was in all nations round about. He spake 3,000 proverbs. That's not, the ones, that's not just the ones included here. That's those that he had that's not printed here. 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were a 1,005. He was a songwriter. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. Now watch this, watch this. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. His wisdom. They come from everywhere. I mean, word got around and they come from everywhere to hear the wisdom of of Solomon. There was a specific person that did this very thing. Her name was the Queen of Sheba. And in 1 Kings chapter number 10, we read about her visit with Solomon. And when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. You know why? She didn't believe it. There's no way a dude can be this smart. There's no way there's no way that all of these rumors can be true about this king of Israel. How can somebody have that much, know that much? There's no way this could be true. She came to prove him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a great train and camels that bear spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. Solomon told, I love this man. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. When the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, and the apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent. In other words, the, the steps that he took into the house of God, the temple. As he went into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. It took her breath away. It was like, wow, wow. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of the acts of the, and of thy wisdom. How be it? I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. I can't believe it. I didn't even believe what they did tell me. And now I come to find out they didn't even tell me half of what it was. Wow. This is the man that wants to sit down and talk with y'all for about an hour every Wednesday for a few weeks. Do you think you might want to listen? Solomon and all of his riches and all of his glory and all that he had, the Bible said, could not even compare to Jesus Christ. Church, say amen. We see his accomplishments. But then, then I want you to see his associates. You see his associates. You see, he wasn't the only recorder of these proverbs. He had some help. There were other servants guided by God's Spirit who were involved in producing the book of Proverbs. The men of Hezekiah, who you read in, in Proverbs chapter number 25, verse 1, were a group of scholars in King Hezekiah's day. 
who compiled the material, uh, the material recorded in chapters 25 through 29 and in Proverbs 30 and 31. You meet Agur, the son of Jacob, and King Lemuel, although many scholars think Lemuel was another name for Solomon. But either way, we have other people that help record it. But he had the primary uh, Proverbs written. That's why it's called the Proverbs of Solomon. So are you familiar now with who wrote this book? Say amen. amen. All right, now, here's the deal. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is, where, this is the real deal. We're going to talk primarily about verses 1 through 7 real quickly in 13 minutes, which is going to need a lot of wisdom to happen. Amen. Go back, to, go back to Proverbs chapter number 1. Go back to Proverbs chapter number 1. I was reading, I was reading, and it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me, as you know who it is, you can see and recognize the influence of his father, David, through the teaching of Solomon, his son. One of the greatest mistakes David ever made was messing with a woman. And as I was reading, I was reading and listening on my iPhone and, and listening. And it was, it was three or four or five chapters in a row. He kept saying about a strange woman. Don't let her flatter you with her lips. Be careful. Don't let her catch you with her eyelids. Over and over and over and over. And, I, and God just spoke to me and just said, do you see the influence that David had on Solomon? I, I, I would probably bet that there were many times that David sat down with Solomon and said, son, please be careful. The greatest heartaches in my life is because of the mistakes I made in such and such an area. Because over and over again, you see him reiterating the same fact. And, and the purpose of him teaching what he has is because, how many of our parents want your kids to learn from your stupidity? I don't want them to make the mistakes I made. I don't want them to do that because, see, I don't want them to hurt like I hurt. And this is the purpose. This is what we see. He sees. Let's read it. Let's read it. Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. We're going to see uh, uh, seven to eight words here that gives us reasoning. Uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, equity. To give subtlety to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. So what does that say about a foolish man? He won't. He won't listen to counsel. He won't listen to instruction. He won't listen to good advice. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Read this with me, verse 7. The Say it again. Say it again. One more time. All right, two things. I w we're going to look at some key verses. Key verses. to You know, every book of the Bible really has a key verse that kind of unlocks the truth of the whole book. But there's a couple here that I want you to see. First, I want you to see this. I want you to see the foundation of wisdom. Two verses that we're going to talk about as key verses of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1-7 and Proverbs 9-10. Proverbs 1-7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. See, you cannot have wisdom without knowledge. You have to start there. You have to start with some stuff. you got to know something. You have to know something. Knowledge is knowing. Knowing. You have to know something. And God says the, the, the greatest knowledge you could ever have is to know Him. And knowing Him begins with fearing Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It starts with Him. Then it says this, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Then Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. There are at least 18 references to the fear of the Lord in the book of Proverbs. Do you think he means what he says? 
The Bible says in the New Testament that a Christian is to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if you look that up in a strong concordance, the Greek terminology, what it literally means is fear and trembling. A respect, a, a holy awe, a reverence for who he is. Listen, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll dig into some more. That's going to be good. If we truly fear the Lord, we acknowledge from our hearts that he is the creator. We're the creatures. He's the father. We're his children. He's the master. We're the servants. Let me tell you what's wrong with many Christians today. They forgot who the boss was. There's a crowd running around commanding God to do stuff. Please. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. We're to come before him humbly. We're... Amen. That's B, B. I'm trying to save my time. I, I'm uh, B, here, here's, here's the deal. We're going to go back backwards. We're going to go back and look at verses 1 through 6. We see the foundation of wisdom in these two verses, the key verses. The foundation of wisdom, obviously, is the fear of the Lord. Say that with me. The foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. I guarantee you, by the time we're through with this, you're going to respect God in a whole new manner. Uh we see the fulfillment of wisdom. What's going to happen? I mean, if we was really to describe the wisdom and what we're looking for, what we want to see, we find it in these key words in these few verses. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. And, say it with me, and instruction. What does instruction mean? It carries the idea of discipline, a parent's correction that results in the building of the child's character. If you never discipline your child, he's going to be a brat. If you never discipline your child, they will embarrass you. If you never discipline your child, they will become a menace to society. If you never discipline your child, someone else will have to. I was at the ball field the other day, and there was this little fella. He's about that big. He had an attitude. And he was, he was saying everything to his mama that he ought not to say. And I'm sitting there, and Brother Kendrick's standing back to me, and he'd look at me, and I'd look at him, and he knew that, that, that my redneck level was getting almost to my earlobe. And, uh, and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, if she'll let me borrow him, I'm going to go around that corner. About five minutes, he'll come back with a different attitude. Listen. And, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not about abuse neither. I'm not for abuse either. But if we're left without discipline, all we're going to do is wrong. Why? Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. We, ourselves, human nature left on its own is wicked. And we need discipline. We need correction. We need, we need God to help us get, you know, we get off course several times in our life. Are y'all with me? And we need God to help us to get, get back on course. We need correction. So he said, I'm, I'm writing this book so we'll have instruction. Not only uh, instruction, but to perceive the words of. The, I done made all y'all mad with that. Listen, it wasn't your kid, all right? <laughs> and if it was your kid, you need to whip him. Amen. To perceive the words of. Help me now. To perceive the words of understanding it's in verse 2 amen first we have instruction then we have understanding listen up listen up i got four minutes understanding it means the ability to grasp a truth with insight and discernment it's amazing to me how you could just share a word or, or a truth from the word of god and people are clueless they're like huh and they, they're having a difficult time grasping what should be obvious. But, hey, sometimes it's just because we've never been taught. I don't know if you realize it or not, but two or three months from now, this crowd right here, you're going to be so far ahead of those that meet on Sunday, it's going to be scary. Because they're not taking the steps to grow and develop and to learn and get wisdom and knowledge. 
and I promise you it'll change your life. Just to have the, the ability to grasp a truth of God and discernment. Then prudence or subtlety. The word verse, verse 4 says to give subtlety to the simple. Subtlety or prudence. This is the kind of intelligence that sees the reasons behind things. Not only understanding what happened, but understanding why it happened. Because sometimes understanding why it happened will help give you peace about what happened. How many times have you gotten really frustrated over something that's happened just simply because you didn't understand why? But what if God gave us that kind of understanding? People with prudence can think their way through complex matters and see what lies behind them and thereby make wise decisions about them. Knowledge. It says to give the young man knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Hebrew root word that describes a skill in hunting or sailing, playing a musical instrument. Knowledge involves the ability to distinguish. All right? Not only knowledge, but discretion, it says in verse uh, number 4. Discretion is the ability to devise wise plans after understanding a matter. In other words, after you have gathered all the information, this is what we need to do about it. These are the steps we need to take. This is the direction we need to go. Discretion. People having discretion in the matter. All right? Not only that, but learning. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. Learning means to lay hold of to grasp, to acquire, or buy. When we grasp something with the mind, then we have learned it. You know, the Bible teaches in the last days about people ever ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How, how is it that, that people will read the Bible cover to cover and they'll try to use it against you that believe the Bible? Because they've never grasped it. They've got a, a bit of knowledge and information but they don't know the author. And if you don't know the author, you can't get the truth out of the book. Say amen. Feel a little preach right there. Amen. Then counsel. The Bible says, verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. He'll get it. He'll get it. How many of y'all remember times when you've been reading God's word and it just popped out to you and you got it? And you just, wow, that's great stuff. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Counsels is related to the verb to steer a ship. Counsel is wise guidance that moves one's life in the right direction. Now, you're going you're to see these same words repeated over and over through Proverbs. You'll find these eight words repeated often in the book of Proverbs. And when you put them together, you have a summary of what Solomon means by wisdom. When we have the wisdom of God, we'll have instruction, understanding, prudence, or subtlety, knowledge, discretion, learning, and counsel. We'll be able to get it. We'll be able to have the ability to make plans when necessary. When a tragedy comes, what do we do? When a problem arises, how many of y'all know you're going to face problems in your life? How many of y'all know you're going to face more than one? We'll get it. We'll be able to handle it. This is not going to rock our world anymore because we're going to have the wisdom of God. Practical, practical. Now, now, when I say practical, what does that mean? That means you can practice it. This is not, you're not coming to church to have some spiritual information session. So that when you leave, you know something about a character in the Bible, but not how to stay sober tomorrow. Not how to help your kid when they're depressed. Not how to, not how to get the devil off their back when they're hounding them. Not how to, to, to bring healing back into a broken home and a broken marriage. Are y'all with me? We're all going to face issues and problems. And we need God's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. And, uh, and there's only one way to get it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. 
You got homework. You got homework. I want you to read Proverbs chapter 1. And whatever day, what's the day? The 6th? The 6th? Uh, got comedians everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, I'm just kidding. The 6th. Whatever the day is, read that chapter. Proverbs is set up in such a cool way that whatever the month is, just whatever the day, read that chapter in Proverbs. And when we're through with this, we're going to have read it through, and it's going to be cool. So uh, tomorrow is the 7th. So what chapter are y'all going to read tomorrow? And 1. Amen. All right. So every day, let's read a chapter. I can't read that much. Take the time. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. You're going to find God doing things in your life that you never dreamed and you never, you never thought possible, I promise. And i got to pray. I'm over time. Father, thank you, Lord, for wisdom and discretion. Thank you, Lord, for guidance. 